0: I'm not waiting for someone to invite me into their home to cook for me. Right. Not not that same personalization, but it that level of, I need to get to know someone here to peel back a layer. I don't need to see the Eiffel Tower. I need to meet a Parisian.
1: Welcome to the Crossing It Off podcast, where we believe living with intention through a bucket list lifestyle is a great way to bring yourself personal joy. As you are crossing items off your list, you're actually filling up your bucket. The more items you cross off, the more joy gets added, until eventually your joy spills over into the lives of those around you. My name is Roger Williams, and as the host of this show, I will be interviewing guests, people just like you, that are crossing items off their own bucket list. My hope is that by hearing these stories, you will be inspired and empowered to cross Items off your own bucket list. Now let's start crossing it off together. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Crossing Off Podcast. I am so excited for my guest as usual. I always have great people coming in. Uh, I've known Michelle for a little bit over a year and I'm excited that she's here with us and can tell a portion of her story. Uh, my guest today is Michelle Muncie Silva and she describes herself as a perpetual learner and intrepid traveler. Michelle, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. So happy
1: to be here. Yeah, me too. I'm glad we can finally do this. What is the thing that you crossed off your list?
0: Uh, taking a heritage trip down to Mexico.
1: Okay. So let's start off just like by talking about what your perception of a heritage trip is. Well, how would you describe that to somebody? Not necessarily a trip you took, but if someone said, what's a heritage trip? Yeah. Oh, name? no,
0: for sure. It's, a, it's, I think it's an important concept. It's connecting to family history. Um, We have family that came from Mexico um, and just getting to reconnect with that, that journey and that trip and see a little bit about what life was like in the country that our family came from.
1: Now, do you have family that are still there or was this a reconnecting with more of like past lineage?
0: Right. Uh, no, that's a good question. We have family that is still in Mexico. My husband is actually the first one in his immediate family that was born in the United States. So we have a lot of family still in Mexico.
1: What? Why do you think this was so important to do? What was it about going back and visiting some of those places or retracing that history that was valuable for you and your family?
0: Well, I think if you if you think about immigration, you think about recent immigrants, you see how quickly people assimilate into a culture that they now call Mm. home. And oftentimes the first thing that is assimilated with anyone who begins to go through an educational system is language. Mm. And so there's so many different elements of culture Language is the one that becomes the most immediate to us, right? And language is also the first thing to fade. So one of the things we wanted to do, because for various reasons, um, my husband and I did not raise our children to be bilingual, we wanted to hang on to some of the other elements of culture. And so continuing to connect them to Mexico through travel was the way we chose to do that
1: how this trip come to be, how to get on your bucket list. What were some of the pushes to say, okay, we got to do this.
0: Well, I don't ever want their heritage to be defined by an outside source. Hmm. I don't want them to have a definition of what it means to be Mexican American from only a United States perspective. I want them to get perspective from multiple sources. I want them to experience multiple Uh, multiple venues. And so that was really my passion behind connecting them with Mexico was I wanted them to see their family history firsthand. I wanted to drive them out to where their great grandmother grew up. And I wanted to drive them to the locations for that, that little pueblito that their, their grandmother grew up in. I mean, she literally had dirt floors the first washing machine that she ever got was purchased by the boy's grandfather. And she refused to use it by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And so to connect them to that, that is so different than the way they were brought up and to connect them to her. We were blessed to have her still in our lives for a very long time. And she was still doing laundry by hand, climbing up three flights of stairs to hang it out to dry on the roof in the house that my husband's father built for her. Um, So being able to connect them to that story and have them see in person those elements of what a lot of us just get as stories. You know, I mean, I I have stories of my heritage but they're so far removed. I never got to meet some of those people. I never got to see some of those places. To be able to connect the boys to that and to have them meet those people, see those places, it was such a gift.
1: How would you describe the planning process uh, as it pertains to a heritage trip like this and what you went through compared to some of your other travels that you've experienced? Because I know you've traveled a lot. So, how, how does, how's that different uh, in the planning stages?
0: You know, it's really, it's, it's interesting because I assumed initially it would be the exact same thing mm-hmm. and it's not, <laughs> I made that mistake. I I think one of the things that happens when you're blessed with still having family in the place that you're visiting is the idea of a schedule and an itinerary. It loosens up a little bit because You're not responsible so much for creating all of these lists of things that people want to do. You're responsible for connections, right? I'm going to put you in a place where you are connected with your great aunt and you're going to have dinner with her and she's going to be able to tell us stories and she's going to cook and she's going to have that moment where you get to have this memory, this connection, And that level of authenticity is something I found in my other travels. I'm constantly trying to replicate. How am I going to create? How am I going to create a moment where we can connect with a local like we do when we go to Mexico? Hmm. That's one of the huge differences is that authenticity that it's personalized.
1: Right. That's what I was thinking inside my head was that it's your trip. I know when I traveled to Europe, so many people, you know, wanted to give their input and advice on what I should do mm-hmm. uh, when I went, you know, like, if, mm-hmm. especially as Americans traveling far distances, you know, everybody says, oh, you have to do this in Rome, and you have to do that in Rome, and, you know, even my, my mother was like, oh, you need to go you know, when you're in London, you need to go to the museum. And it's like, I don't want to go to the museum. I want to go see where, you know, The Clash played punk rock concerts in tiny bars. And I want to go see mm-hmm. Ted Lasso. It sounds like this heritage trip is more of your trip. It, mm-hmm. it is, it's yours. And no one, when you put that, that moniker on it of a heritage trip, nobody can really say you know or suggest things for you you're saying it's more of Mm -hmm. this is our trip
0: yeah and that's really that was the beginning of my education regarding how I wanted to travel in the future Mm -hmm. was we did a lot of travel before the trip to Mexico with the boys and I, and I, I can't say it was there. It was never one single trip. Once we did it once, it's been an ongoing tradition. We do it all the time. So that first trip that we took was such an eye opener for me. When I tried to replicate it in a city where I didn't have a connection with a local, I drove us into the ground trying to do all the things. And I realized afterwards, I'm like, what the heck was so different? Why did I have such an amazing experience in Mexico? I mean, you talk about having personal tour guides. You wait till your great aunt wants to take you around and Mm -hmm. show you and tell you stories. You're getting a personal tour guide. And trying to replicate that again in another town where we didn't have that local connection, I realized that should be the goal. Mm -hmm. That should be the goal everywhere is to connect with locals On that level, I'm not waiting for someone to invite me into their home to cook for me. Not not that same personalization, but it that level of I need to get to know someone here to peel back a layer. I don't need to see the Eiffel Tower. I need to meet a Parisian.
1: Right. And I think the the thing that I discovered recently that I didn't know exist was homestays. Mm-hmm. That it's kind of like that's what you're you're talking about where you're actually staying in so in a local's home instead of staying in a hotel or a hostel or whatever, and then they fix you meals that are legit meals for for locals mm-hmm. and they become kind of that those people that take you places and show you things um as a tour guide but and you're also just part of the family you're you're mm-hmm. doing chores and all that kind of stuff to, to and it cuts the cost way down or can depending on where you're at but it sounds like a home might be a, a solution to that
0: yeah and there is there is something to that it's like one of the things that we've taken away we when we go down to mexico my husband's father um he was part of the bracero program i don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar with yes. that but he He was part of the workforce that came in when we were um, short as a country on people that could do that level of work. And so he came in and he did that work and he never wanted to live here. Mm -hmm. He did that work because he wanted to raise that money to take home to take care of his family because he's an oldest son. And so he went back home with that money and built a house for his mother, for his father. So that's the house that we stay in. And that is right across the street from his, what was my husband's aunts, the sisters. They built a house for the sisters and they moved in right across the street. So this community that we take them to was literally constructed with that whole story behind it. And so we take them there and we see that. So the idea of a homestay obviously I'm not going to replicate that in a country that we have no connection to, but what I can do is I can connect with a local through staying in their home. If it's a short term rental or I'm staying in their home while they're still in it, Mm -hmm. you know, however you choose to do it, connect with that person. Anytime we've done that, the person that owns the property is meeting us at the door and saying, okay, here's what I know about the area. Here's what I want to tell you. Here's some safety tips. Here's a restaurant that you have to try that, you know, tourists don't go to, you know, that kind of connection is what we've sought ever since.
1: It's a, it's an amazing chance to see other cultures. What was that first trip? Like you said, you've done this multiple times now. What mm-hmm. was that first trip? How old were the boys and, and what was that first trip? Like what kind of things did you see and, and hear and experience on that trip?
0: they were in single digits. I want to say, I want to say nine and seven, I think when we did the first trip and then we stopped for a hot minute um, and then started back up again, obviously stopped during COVID um, and then started back up again. (laughs) But um, one of the things that we wanted to do was initially just show them the area and, and help them see why, their grandparents because the, the town that my husband's family is from is a larger town and they had migrated from a very small area to the larger town for work. And then the, his, the boy's grandmother went on to Mexico city to work. Hmm. Um, She was, she was cleaning houses for the upper echelons of Mexico city. And so then from there, they went on to work for the, United, for the agricultural community through the Becerro program in the United States. And so kind of taking them on that journey, we've taken them around up here so they could see, okay, this is where your grandfather worked. Um, this is where his father worked. Hmm. And then we took them down to Mexico to show them the original village that they lived in, what made them move. And then of course showed them all around that town. That's a colonial Um, very historical town. It's part of the, it's part of the, they call them magic towns, taking them around to all these different historical spots within that town. And then of course, Mexico city is its own. I mean, that's just an amazing city. So we took them around there as well to give them a sense of that scope and imagining your grandmother, you know, fish out of water going into Mexico city from this little town and just giving them that sense of place So that they can say, okay, I've been to the cities that I'm hearing about in these stories.
1: Find the resource that fits your need so that you can live out your list. Now back to the show.
0: And then from that, connecting it to what they know about the other side of their family, you know, and so just trying to really make everything come full circle and make it real.
1: What was that like for them? If they were to be sitting here with us, how would they have responded to that experience? What are they intimate to you that they took away?
0: Initially. They were homesick, Hmm. they were young, they were young, they were nine, they were seven. They got homesick. We could stay my husband and his family. They have this tradition of going back to Mexico and staying for weeks at a time, weeks at a time, um, Christmas break, three weeks, summer break, you know, a month minimum. Otherwise it's just not worth going. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, when you're nine and seven, that doesn't fly. You get homesick, right? You can't detach a child that young from their environment for that long of a time. So what we did initially was, I think we stayed for about seven to eight days, and then we pushed it to 10 the next time. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of stayed in that range. That's about what the kids mm-hmm. are comfortable with. Um, and we try to break up, you know we're not just staying in one house that whole time. We try to take those day trips to get them out to see more of the environment that their family experienced. But what has come out of it through the years has been the part that's so priceless because like I said, I never wanted them to have a culture that was defined by an outside source. And so now when you see news about immigration or news about the wall or news about the border, they're immediately looking at that with a different lens Hmm. Because we've actually sat with relatives in Mexico and heard their stories about why people might choose to immigrate, why they chose to stay. They know that their grandfather never wanted to live here. Right. He wanted to go back home. They have this whole other perspective of that story. I never wanted their Mexicanness to be defined by what they hear in the news. Sure. Right? So that heritage trip, And the multiple repetitions of that trip has allowed them to tell their own story.
1: And how has that experience transformed your husband and your husband's view of the world around him?
0: It's, it's, I don't want to speak for him. That's interesting. (laughs) I'd love to hear him answer that question himself. One of the things that I noticed, I'll just speak to what I can speak to, which is what I've noticed about him with language. He hmm. never felt like his Spanish was good enough because his family is very educated. So his uncle is a doctor. His um, his aunt is a lawyer. It's, you know, I mean, they're educated Spanish. So I go down there with my... <laughs> my my attempt at Spanish uh, is very rudimentary. I would, some people would call me intermediate, but when I get around his relatives, I do not all feel right. intermediate at right. all. Um, so I I try my best. I've always thought of my husband as being completely bilingual. He gets around his educated relatives in hmm. who are very educated in Spanish, and he is constantly saying, what's that word? How do I say that correctly? How do I say that? Because his language faded while he was here. I mean, sure. my husband grew up in an era where you would get your hand slapped if you spoke in a language other than English. I mean, right. we're talking about 70s education, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, he, he experienced the whole hand slapping thing that you will not speak in your native language. So, of course, that faded for him. And so he looks at it as an opportunity, not only for him to reconnect and grow, but also to show his own kids, okay, I'm going to speak to you in Spanish here for a minute, so let's do this. And it's in real time. And it became my oldest son's goal. He wanted to be able to speak to his grandmother in That's Spanish. awesome. And so he he did get to do that. He was at, you know, he's he's at like a simple sentence phrase level with mm-hmm. Spanish. And so he did get to do that with his grandmother before she passed. So that was... That was real. And he was speaking with her in her home in Mexico.
1: Yeah. And okay. so
0: that's the kind of thing. It's like you can't make that stuff up. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like that's what that has afforded us. And it gave my husband a chance, I think, to bond with the boys as well, because of the fact, you know, my husband, who we all think of as bilingual, is like he's like, look, I'm learning, too because there's this whole other level of Spanish that none of us are exposed to. (laughs) Right. You know, so we're learning it together.
1: So we've talked about your boys, you've talked about your husband for you as the person, not necessarily with the direct connection Mm -hmm. to that heritage. How did that experience transform you as a, as a mother, wife, human being?
0: I think just the perspective pieces of it and, and, always driving home to my boys that they are allowed to carry around all of their identities. Mm. And this gave me a way to support them in that. Because I am a white woman learning Spanish as a second language. They are both growing up in an American education system, um, speaking predominantly English. And that's all fine and great and good. I wanted to be able to help them connect to a side that I was not a part of initially. Hmm. I wanted to be supportive of that so that they could truly say that they have a whole family unit that is supporting them to embrace every aspect of it. Because none of us is any one thing, right? right. I mean, I'm not any one thing. You're not any one thing. And sometimes people try to label us sure. as one thing. Like you look like X, and I never wanted them to have to sit with that. So I was happy that I was able to support them in recognizing this piece of their identity just by supporting them in the trip.
1: I mean, that just has to be a great feeling, but what about you? How did it transform you and the way you looked at your children, your husband, the world around you?
0: It's incredibly humbling because the dominant culture in my life has always been American culture Mm. and the dominant culture in any situation never feels like they have a culture because they're surrounded by examples of it all the time. Right. It wasn't until I went to Mexico was surrounded by his family for this extended period of time that I was allowed to see what it's like to be a, a person that's not the dominant culture in a room. And I truly do feel like everybody should experience that everybody should know that feeling. It's like, you're not the dominant culture in this environment and Mm -hmm. how you choose to take that stance is really going to tell, you know, how you want to grow as a person. So it was hugely educational for me to be able to go into that environment and be able to share that with the boys. It's like, you're homesick. I totally get that. I'm right there with you. I'm homesick too. Here's why I think I feel that way. But this is more important to me. So I'm willing to be homesick because this is what I want to get out of this experience. So just that humble recognition of where I stand as a global citizen, right? That's that's huge.
1: Yeah. So in that same vein, if somebody was in a similar type of situation and was thinking about doing a trip like this, doing a heritage trip, what would be something that you would encourage them to do out of your experience from doing this multiple times what's something that you would say like oh my gosh if you're going to do this make sure you what
0: i i would say i i gave up a long time ago ever trying to be perfect with the language hmm. don't hold yourself to that don't clam up just because you only know a little because you are so appreciated every effort that you make it's like I'm willing to sound like a second grader if I can just show them that I'm making an effort I'm willing to stand next to them and do something that I'm not comfortable with you know maybe it could be something as simple as I'm I'm willing to sit with you and cook I'm willing to wrap this particular there's a there's a dish that I love called corundas And it's wrapped up in leaves, Mm -hmm. these corn husk leaves. And I'm like, I will sit and I will wrap with you. (laughs) I will do it. And you will have to teach me how to do it, but I'm going to do it. Just that if somebody's going to take a heritage trip and you are blessed enough to get taken into somebody's home, don't ever think that you have to have like a perfect level of language, competency, whatever it is, because they're going to appreciate you just trying. So try, be willing to be vulnerable and put yourself in that situation.
1: That's really good advice. Michelle, what is something that's still on your bucket list that you would like to cross off?
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. I don't know how many people know about this, but there is a organization called Roads and Kingdoms okay, and they worked with Anthony Bourdain before he passed. And they did a lot of stuff with him with like parts unknown um, and things like that. And they kept going after his passing and they do culinary tours through certain areas. And it is not cheap, <laughs> but oh my gosh, if that's not on my bucket list, because I would eat up his shows. Oh, sure. because I loved no. the way he would connect with a local
1: mm-hmm.
0: and get through the ins and outs of an area, how he recognized the politics of the environment he was in and he would try to honor that he's everything that I have appreciated to recap. I just wanted to say, I, w- I would love to take advantage of a roads and kingdoms activity. Cause they've really kept that spirit mm-hmm. of Ordain's mission alive and the tours that they do. I'm not a tour group kind of person,
1: <laughs>
0: you know, I, I that you. might come through I um, in my vibe overall, but I, to be able to do something that was in the spirit of ordain.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You look through the itineraries, you're connecting with a local chef. You're talking to a local journalist over a meal. And I'm just sign me the hell up. Is there there
1: a is there an itinerary for a location that like, fires you up the most or is it
0: there is one in um sicily that i would love to tackle um there is one through a corner of spain Hmm. that's like a second on my list i there are a couple of those that i would love to dive into so yeah there's there's actually quite a few i i wouldn't want to bore you with my whole list but to be able to take a trip with them (laughs) i think is on my bucket list for sure
1: and yeah, then if that, I
0: can't do that, then it's going to be an African safari. I need, <laughs> <laughs> I need to do that too. <laughs> well,
1: that uh roads and kingdoms sounds a lot better. And I, I get flack from my partner about this, but it sounds better than a Rick Steves tour. Uh, for uh
0: sure. <laughs> yes, I, See, there you go. There you go. I love Rick Steves. I'm all about these. He's great. I love the knowledge that he, sh- that he spews, but I, I don't need to join one of his tours. Yeah. I'm perfectly happy to take yeah. it on my own, but this roads and kingdoms one, I kind of want to jump in. Yeah,
1: that sounds like something I would do too, but yeah. yeah. And there's nothing wrong with Rick Steves. He's, he's...
0: no, no. It's each his own. To <laughs> that's right. His own.
1: Exactly. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, no judgment, awesome. Rick. We love you. That's right. That's right. Yeah. He just <laughs> yeah, lives down right the street. The from you. <laughs> he is, he is. I live in the lane to Rick Steves for sure. Uh, Michelle, thank you so much for being here. How can people connect with other stuff you have going on and, and get more connected to what you do and, because you have a lot of stuff going on that I think is very worthy for folks to connect with.
0: Thank you. Thank you. We are at travelwithintention.com. And if you want to, when you get into travelwithintention.com, you can sign up for our travel goals newsletter. We have a weekly newsletter, so dive into that. Um, if you grace me with your best email address, I promise I will send you weekly. Uh, travel tips and advice and uh, hook you up with your next itinerary.
1: You have a new uh, series coming up on YouTube. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: I sure can. I am a huge fan of having conversations with people like yourself, all about travel. I am starting, um, we're going to kick off Cocktails and Conversations um, where each uh, each time I have a session, I'm inviting someone to come have a cocktail with me and tell me about their latest travel ventures. So yes, I was super excited to have you kick off inaugural episode. sharing a brilliant spritz with you. We'll yes, forget that. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to continuing that series and having those travel conversations over a cocktail.
1: Awesome we will put all those uh, links in the show notes so that people can get to them very easily. And I would highly recommend folks checking out uh, the new YouTube series. Uh, I appreciate being invited. Always enjoy talking to you and um, it always produces some good for me too. So it's not just uh, for other people, but I always find our conversations to be enlightening for me. Michelle, thank you so much for being here.
0: No problem. Thank you for having me.